relationships, if you guys are in the right place, this is the one. We're going to be talking about love, relationships, dating, a little bit of marriage, and all that stuff. And so we are excited that you guys uh, are here to join. Everyone got a handout? Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, uh, as we dive in before we introduce ourselves and stuff, we want you guys to discuss this quick question uh, with the folks next to you. And so, what do you guys think people are looking for in a relationship and marriage? As they begin dating, thinking through marriage one day, what do you guys think of like the one or two things? This is what I'm looking for. So discuss that for about 30 seconds. All right, we'll get back together. I won't be able to hear all these, like, can you just come to you and just shout them out? What do you guys think people are looking for? What do you think? What? Love. Love? Honesty. 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 Kind. What? Kind. Kindness, absolutely. And one or two more? Security. Security and what? Oh, commitment, absolutely. No, these are all really, really good. And so, yeah, hey, some of these things, love, relationships, marriage, we're going to hit on just some things uh, that could be helpful as we think about and what would God desire for this area. But uh, we want to introduce our family really quick, just about us. And so our names are Tommy and Rachel Brady. Uh, we recently just moved up to Lincoln, Nebraska to help start up Stumo there. And uh, we previously had been working with Stumo at K-State for five years, but we just wrapped up our first semester up in Lincoln. Uh, we've been married for five years. We just celebrated year uh, anniversary number five uh, back in November, uh, and it's been awesome. And so uh, Rachel is from uh, like the Los Angeles area, and so she went to Azusa Pacific University, uh, played soccer out there in college. And then uh, I'm from Kansas City. I'm from here. Went over to K-State for college, ran track there for four years. And uh, you guys might be thinking, like, how did you guys meet? California, uh, Manhattan, Kansas. And so I had a teammate in college that was from her hometown. And so my end of my freshman year, I started following Christ. And then but when he was from L.A., I was like, dude, let me come visit you in L.A. for the summer. I'll come out for a week. So we all head down to Newport Beach with his high school friends and I uh, ended up meeting Rachel. And so that's kind of where our friendship began at Newport Beach, uh, kind of unique. But um, that's kind of where our story uh, kind of began. Yeah, and this is um, our family. So we have two kids right now. Titus is three and a half. And Bradley is going to be two this next month. And then we're adding a third in June. So, um, name suggestions, feel free to hit us up. So, Titus and Bradley are a ton of fun. Titus is all boy. Um, yes, he's been rocking the Mohawk for almost two years now. Um, but loves Chiefs football, anything football, Crams become football players, you know, fruit snacks become football players, so everything. And then Riley, um, she's a tough girl, so she has a brother who run over her all the time, um, loves her blankie, she loves to sing and music, and she has a deep voice, so it's kind of funny, her voice is deeper than Texas. Yeah, hey, that's our family. We're, we're excited to be with you guys and talk about relationships. You know, we realize some of you guys might be single, some of you guys might be on the pursuit, maybe. Some of you guys might be in a dating relationship. Uh, some of you guys might be uh, folks who just got out of a relationship. And so wherever you guys are at in that spectrum, we hope even just our time today uh, will be helpful uh, in some sense. And so we're so excited to be with you guys because relationships are a huge part of life, right? Our guess would be that most all of you guys will probably be married one day. So relationships are a huge part of life, and so we're excited to, uh, to discuss it really quick. Yeah, and so like Tommy said, we're excited to talk about relationships because they are so prominent um, in our culture, in our lives, and even in the lives of college students. And really, when we think of marriage one day, God is really the one that designed marriage. 
And so we're excited to talk about this topic because our relationships with the opposite sex will impact our lives significantly. As you know, they'll determine who we marry one day, who will mother and father our children one day. And so maybe some of you guys came to college and you're kind of, you know, on the hunt. You're looking for that Mr. or Mrs. degree to be locked and loaded by the time you guys walk across the graduation stage. Um, well, today we're going to hopefully give you guys some ways to hopefully set you on a trajectory sort of towards success when it comes to relationships and marriage, but even uh, a happy marriage. Because really when we look at marriages that are even lasting today, a lot of them, sadly, um, are not happy. And so we want to see what this can look like and how it can look differently. Um, and just really the current reality of hard breakups and divorces are not looking so hot today. And so we see this in our culture, but Tommy and I have sadly seen this to be true in the lives of some of our friends or even people that we know. Um, so for instance, we know um, a couple that were dating for six years. So you know, from the world's standards, um, they were seemingly set up for success. But then eight months into marriage, wife comes home with divorce papers and just claims to not have the same beliefs that she once had um, or even the same feelings towards her husband. And so soon after, they were divorced. Um, another couple uh, that we know of started dating when they were 15 years old, uh, married at 23. And then they really, from an outsider's perspective, you know, looking on their Instagrams, um, they were living a life of just travel, success. It really looked like they were living a dream. Um, seven years into marriage, stories of unfaithfulness began to surface, um, and soon after, they were also divorced. Um, I've just even seen and know of relationships personally that, um, you know, they were dating for a little while, and no sexual activity was taking place. And so, um, one of them was like, you know what, I can't really um, continue in this relationship unless I know that we're sexually compatible. Um, and so they went on pause, in which there's actually a lot of different things that could be wrong with this thought process. First, if you have a guy and you have a girl, you will be sexually compatible, because that's how God made us. Um, but also, if the relationship really does continue to move forward, this relationship is solely based on sex, which really, as we'll see even a little later, that sex is just really such a small portion of what marriage really encompasses. And so stories like these, they really do break Tommy and I's hearts, and we would never want them to be true in your own life. And so that's why we share them today. That's why we want to talk about this topic with you guys today. And so even some statistics um, from the family and law groups, so they did a study of 115 um, different studies, and they say that best estimates would say that 41% of marriages end in divorce. And so this even bumps to 50% when you include separation. 2,400 divorces happen per day. And so this means that every 35 seconds, there's a new divorce. That is crazy, mind-blowing. Which even in four divorces happen every two minutes. So you can think of it this way, in the amount of time that one couple is reciting their wedding vows, four are undoing them at that same time. And you guys, even while we're sitting here today in this breakout, um, there will be approximately 85 divorces. 
And so these statistics are just really sad and they're really humbling. Um, but even one area that we think of that contributes to um, just the sad reality um, is even just the influence of society. And so with outlets such as TikTok, Tinder, Instagram, reality TV, different movies, um, really we're constantly being told what a real relationship should look like and what a real relationship should make you feel like. And so Tommy's going to even just share a little bit more about our culture's way of dating into marriage. Yeah, so you know, Rachel mentioned that you have the Instagram, you've got reality TV, movies, even music, all these different things kind of begin to really shape our perspective on how we should go about relationships in marriage uh, and from culture and all these different things. So culture's view of love is all based on a feeling, a.k.a. how do they make me feel? Uh, do they meet my physical intimacy expectations? Do they text me an adequate amount? Do they compliment me when I feel like I should be complimented? Do they do special things for me? Do I get turned on by their physical looks when they wear a certain outfits? All these different things. Culture's view of love is how do they make me feel, right? And so it's like what culture and society is kind of doing, it's what it's priming the pump for is if I don't feel loved, I end the relationship. And so what we kind of don't understand and what society is really doing, they're kind of teaching us and training us for divorce. If I don't feel loved, I just get out of the relationship. And it's this huge contrast of what actual marriage is like because at the end of the day, marriage is a commitment to each other regardless of our feelings. Just look at uh, The Bachelor and Bachelorette for a second. Okay, there's been 17 bachelorettes. There's been 25 bachelors. Think about just beautiful people. Hot, erotic makeout sessions and hot tubs, beautiful destinations, all these different things. You guys know what I'm saying. Of all these, so 42 different contestants. Of them, nine have ended in marriage slash engagement. Some of them are still engaged. Who knows if it'll turn into uh, a marriage and everything. So that is 79% of them. Call it 80% of them don't work out. And from like a world and like society's culture, hey, this is how you should go about it. The feelings, the making out, it's awesome. Beautiful. It's not actually working, right? So culture and society is kind of duping us. Look at it like this. Let's talk about sex, right? Sex is like the most crown jewel prized experience and feeling that we're all like thinking of one day, right? And maybe participating in. But there's, okay, I was a math major. I don't need to use my major very much. Okay, if you have sex four times a week for 30 minutes each time, I know this is kind of weird to think about, just do the math. On a normal week, that is 1% of the week. That's 1% of your marriage. If you have sex four times a week, when you're married, 30 minutes each time, that's 1% of your marriage. So fellas, if that is true, what her body looks like doesn't matter very much. Ladies, if this is true, getting your body to look a certain way or appear a certain way, percentage-wise, it doesn't matter very much, right? And so, again, we just see this in culture, what it's setting us up for. And we just took a guess, okay? Culture's process of dating into marriage. What does this typical cycle look like. We see a ton of dating relationships with young adult friends, college students, and here's our best guess. And the, the, the disclaimer would be, we know that they all don't go like this, okay? But we really do think a high percentage of them do because we see it so often. So the first thing on the cycle, they're hot. I want some of that. They're good looking. I enjoy them at the party. Man, they are attractive. I need to find out they're single. So I'm gonna DM them on Instagram, Snapchat, and slide in to their DMs, right? So next thing, well, now we want to enter this unknown zone. What are we? Like, I know we kind of party together a little bit. I know we kind of have feelings. We snap each other a little bit. But there's no direction. It's this unknown zone. And honestly, it kind of gets confusing because at this point, you've gotten physical. 
right? Maybe you're shacking together, maybe you're making out, maybe you're having sex, all these different things. Now things have gotten physical. So now you're exchanging all these emotions, all these sort of boundaries are being crossed. Well, I guess we need to go Instagram official. I guess that's kind of the next step. Not even sure if I actually like you that much, but I'm enjoying the physical activity. So I'm gonna come up with a cool caption on Insta, put it on the gram. From there, there's no direction, but you're kind of dating and you hang out now, right? And you meet each other's families, things like that. But we're just dating and hanging out. But things are going on, there's some frustration, maybe some character issues, maybe like guys are like, man, she's just kind of crazy, to be honest. And uh, you, you go on a break, right? You go on this break, I'm not sure. But during the break, what happens? You need the feeling back. I want to cuddle again. I want to watch the movies with someone. I want to go on dates and dress up and look nice. I want sex back. You need the feeling back, but so you get back together, right? You get back together, but you find out they're still the same person. Nothing's changed. Right? You guys see what, what's happening. So they're still the same person. You're like, well, maybe a dog will fix us. Maybe we go get a little Yorkie. That'll kick through. That'll, that'll fix our character issues. But it doesn't. Right? So then the final breakup happens, and now one of you guys has a little Yorkie next to your ankles, right? Just keep that heels, right? But like, I know it's like funny to think about, but it happens, and then you go back on the market, and then you start over again. This is the cycle of what culture and society is setting us up for. And so what this looks like is it's clockwork. And depending on where you're at on the clock, you can hop out at different moments, isn't it? So on your sheet, the cycle looks like this. What ends up happening is you hop from guy to guy or from girl to girl, and you are exchanging all these emotions, all these different boundaries, physical intimacy. And at some point down the road, you're like, well, the feeling is pretty consistent here, so I guess I'll marry you. Not how that goes. But the statistics that we have looked at and all these different things, and it really does bum us out. And oftentimes when I look at that cycle, and oftentimes there's frustration, there's confusion, Oftentimes there's hard breakups, so many emotions being passed. And oftentimes when it turns into marriage, you guys saw the percentages, oftentimes it is just waiting on the back end with divorce papers. Right? And so when I look at this cycle, it does bug me out. And when I look at my own past, guys, I did that cycle. Like I did that up until I began following Jesus. Right? I did, I went through this whole thing. And oftentimes I would just go around the clock and get, get physical and not pop out. Then let's go to the next one. I want to get physical, go to 3 o'clock, and then I'm out again. That's what culture is doing to us. And so, you guys look at this cycle. It's on your handout. What we believe is really true. It's helpful for us. If you want a different outcome, you will have to take a different route. If you want a different outcome, you're going to have to take a different route. So if you guys want something completely different than what culture is producing, you're going to have to do something very different than what society is. Is doing. If you want a different outcome, you're going to have to take a different route. And just like Chad was saying, you know, we're going to end up where we're going. And so if we want a different outcome and a different route, what might this look like? And, you know, maybe you'd be surprised to hear that the Bible actually doesn't talk about dating. Um, because dating, it really is something new in the past, like, 150 years. Um, they started courtship and courting people. Um, so while the Bible doesn't have specific verses that talk about dating, um, there are a lot of principles that we can apply when it comes to dating relationships. And so I don't know about you, but that cycle that we looked at of our culture's way of doing relationships and the way many of us, including Tommy and I, have done them ourselves in the past, it just looks exhausting. 
and confusing and just really a lot of spent emotions that are leading to no profit. And so if we're going to do this in a different way, what might this look like? Maybe it will look a little bit more like this. So a lot more simplified, but really it's just two individual people pursuing not a feeling, but a person. And that person is God. And so really one way that we could describe what might be taking place in the life of a person on this line is to become the person who you are looking for is looking for. To become the person who you are looking for is looking for. And so what I mean by this is this person, um, you know, they're probably not just walking into a room and mentally taking notes of like the potential prospects in the room, you know. They're probably not consumed with thoughts like, man, I just wonder if I know my spouse already, you know. Um, or maybe even like, I see that they opened my snap or they read my text but they didn't respond. What might that mean? You know, rather, they're focused on becoming a person themselves who's in a relationship with God and who's most concerned about becoming a man or a woman that God describes in the Bible. And so really, this person is seeking to walk in obedience um, to God, even when it's uncomfortable, which is really hard to do, and it's very not what our culture says to do. And so when we're focused on these things, we're really going to start to see a more clear picture of what true biblical love looks like compared to what our social outlets are telling us. And so become the person you are looking for is looking for. And so that means, ladies, if you want a king, you're going to need to become a queen. And likewise, fellas, if you're looking for a queen, you need to become a king yourself. And so what goes even into this line of pursuing God? Really, it's a pursuit of God that's rooted in love. And so we're going to just talk about three different things that can go into this pursuit of God rooted in love. And first, it's a pursuit of knowing God. So Matthew 22:37 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And so here we see Jesus telling some guys what the greatest commandment is. And he starts with just a genuine love for God in response to what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so really, this love for God is the motive for obedience to God and really even this pursuit of knowing God. And so even just when we think of, you know, when we love a person, we really become consumed in them. You know, we desire to know them. We desire to talk to them more. You know, I remember when Tommy and I were dating, um, we desired to talk to each other frequently. And so a lot of our relationship was at a distance. Um, and so this looks like a lot of FaceTime calls into the wee hours of the night. Um, and why? Because we desire to know each other. And so this might be different or kind of weird to think about, but what if we pursued knowing God the way that we pursued knowing a significant other or a girlfriend or a boyfriend? You know, so what if we yearn for time with God in a similar way that we yearn for communicating with someone of the opposite sex? So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Matthew 6.33 says that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be provided for you. And so earlier in Matthew 6, 
we see Jesus telling us to not worry about anything. So he says, don't worry about anything, but instead, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And so really, under anything, I think we can answer, don't worry about relationships. Don't worry about your future spouse. Instead, seek first God. So seek to know God, seek to love him. And how do we do that? We really find out more about who God is from the Bible. So we become a person who is rooted in the Bible. After meeting Tommy, um, I was going to my senior year of college, and I was impressed by the man that he was seeking to become. And so I think the reality kind of set in quickly for me. I was like, you know what? This guy lives in Kansas. I live in California. I'll probably never see him in my life. Um, and so really, we, we did not enter a relationship, um, but we got to spend time focusing on becoming um, just people that were seeking God ourselves. And so this was really cool because as time went on, um, and we were just friends over the next course of a few years, um, we got to spend time really just seeking to know God in the Word and learn more of what it looks like to become the right person. And so to become a person who is walking deeply with God, who's learning to fall more in love with God by spending time in prayer and the Word and walking in obedience to Him, instead of being kind of distracted or focused on the relationship, which we were not, neither of us were in a place at the time to even think about marriage in the future. And so instead of becoming consumed in a relationship at the time that we weren't prepared for a commitment for a future, we got to spend time becoming the right person. And so I just feel like this has paid a lot of dividends. Obviously, we did not do that perfectly. Um, but it's helped us become the right person for marriage. And so, so that's our first thing. All these things of pursuing uh, this type of person that God wants to become, it really is rooted in love. And the first one is just knowing God. We see that it's rooted in love. The second thing is just a pursuit of godly character. As we are on this line, this path towards God, He desires for us to become people of godly Character. This is 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. This is one of the most common, maybe the most common Bible passage read uh, at weddings. It says this, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not dishonor, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, it always hopes, and always Perseveres. And we guys look at that description of love. Like, can you imagine if your life was described like that? Like, you could love other people in this way. What if you married and dated someone and their life was actually described like that? It's all rooted in love. It's like, man, Bobby is patient. Bobby is kind. Bobby does not keep record of wrongs. Or Susie, man, Susie perseveres. Susie is not self-seeking in becoming that type of person. Just I just want to go through a few of these qualities because this is a beautiful description that God gives us of a type of a person to become that's rooted in love. Look at patient. They're a person that has the ability to wait uh, when they aren't getting what they want. They're not trying to rush someone into the pace they want to go at, but they're willing to go at another person's pace. Being patient reveals that they are content. What about kindness? Someone mentioned kindness earlier. Uh, this is huge. People who aren't kind don't really care about other people's feelings. And that would be awful to bring in to a relationship in marriage. People who are kind, they are consistent. Uh, they aren't just kind to other people when they're trying to get something from other people. 
So if you guys want to know if someone is kind, just look how they treat all different types of people. When they have really nothing they gain out of it. What about not boastful, not proud, not self-seeking? Life is just all about them. They don't really care about other people. And that's the exact opposite of what marriage is about. Uh, what about not keeping record of wrongs? Like, can you guys imagine being in a relationship or marriage where the other person just isn't ready to just unload on you and how you wronged them in the past or when you messed up? You guys know what I'm talking about? They don't have this just like quiver of arrows ready to just pull out and unload on you. They've been keeping tallies on you of how you wronged them. Can you imagine being in a relationship with someone like that? They quickly forgive. What about that love protects? They're, make, they're willing to make any sacrifice necessary to protect what is valuable. They're going to protect you physically, emotionally, spiritually. They're going to protect your marriage by not hiding anything. They're going to protect your kids. And they're going to protect their integrity. They have no secrets in life. They're, they're an open book with you. What about love perseveres? You guys know this. Life is hard. There are hardships in life. Raising kids is hard. But you know what else would be really hard is being married to someone who is a quitter, right? And they can't persevere. And at the end of the day, that is what marriage is. It's like, I won't quit on this. That's why the pastor at the end of the ceremony says, and may you never separate, a.k.a. persevere, right? Again, this is just it's an amazing passage of what true love is actually like. And so we're going to count a couple more specifically for some guys and for girls as well. Yeah, so 1 Timothy 4.12, it says, Don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And so here, Paul is giving a charge to Timothy, who's a young man, um, to be an example in his character. And so this isn't a verse necessarily about relationships, but ladies, I do think it's a great verse to reference when it comes to things that you want to look for when it comes to the opposite sex. And so first it starts out with set an example in speech. And so even some questions to consider. What does his speech look like? You know, does his conversation revolve around things that honor God, or is it full of sarcastic comments? Is he constantly tearing others down, or is he building them up? Set an example in conduct. How does he act around others? Is he one person around one group of friends and different around another? Does his life reflect what he claims to be true of himself? Set an example in love. So how and what does he love? Would his life reflect that he loves God more than anything else? Does he have a genuine love for God that overflows to others regardless of what he might get in return? Or does he just perform acts of service to be seen by others? Set an example in faith. Does he claim to have a faith in Jesus but his life doesn't reflect obedience to God? Does he have a faith that perseveres when things get difficult? And is there evidence that he's willing to make sacrifices to grow when it comes to his faith? And last, that example in purity. So is he committed to living a life of purity and obedience to God's commands? Has he been accountable to other men in regards to his purity? And so again, this isn't a standards for dating Bible verse. But I do think there's a lot of wisdom in the things that Paul highlights here when it comes to what he encouraged Timothy, again a young man, towards when it comes to his character. And so even some things that I respected about Tommy 
um, just even when we were friends and then into dating, and I'm continuing to reap the benefits of now that we're married, really do revolve around his character. And so Tommy's really a man of humility and teachability. And so ever since I've known Tommy, he has had a man who is a step or a few steps ahead of him in his faith that um, he seeks for counsel and advice. And so this really gives me trust in Tommy as he leads our family, that I could trust that he's not leading based off of his own emotions or his own opinions, um, but really he is seeking our best. And Tommy's also a man who takes God's word seriously. And so he seeks to know God personally, and he's been doing so for years before I came on the dating scene. And so this has really given me confidence that Tommy would be walking with Jesus with or without me in the picture. So his relationship with God has nothing to do with me. And his decision to make Jesus Lord of his life um, wasn't dependent upon me. And so I never have to worry about the authenticity of his faith because he made that decision before we were ever in a relationship. Yeah, so verse 54, 12. Fellas, this is a great standard for us just as men and ladies. It's also a great passage to think through when you're thinking about if a guy does ask you about one what you're looking for in a guy. When you marry them. But for the ladies, Proverbs 31 30. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. AKA, man, don't be fooled by flirting. Everything will get wrinkly and saggy. Well, it's saggy and saggy. And, uh, but a woman who is chasing after God is the jackpot. Fellas, you go to Proverbs 31, the back half of it, it the subtitle is A Wife of Noble Character. And God is just laying out for us verse by verse. What should, what should wow us as men? And ladies, it's a great thing for you to also go through as well. What should be true of me as a woman of character? God is trying to help us what we should be wowed by. It's not the fun, flirty, and pretty girl. And again, if you're fun and being pretty, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a disclaimer. But God is saying, hey, you should be wowed by this girl who is falling after God, who has godly character, right? Nothing wrong with being uh, fun and pretty. But, um, but fellas, I want because I want I, we bring this one up because we want to articulate this. Uh, a woman's body and looks don't raise your kids. Her her values and her character really, right? And that's so why God is trying to help us. What we should really put our stock into. And so, and ladies, a helpful principle for you girls uh, to think through is uh, what you catch them with is what you will keep them with. Okay. And so if you just catch them with good looks and everything, you're just going to have to keep looking better and better and better in order to keep the guy around. And from what we know from Proverbs 31 30, beauty is a depreciating asset, right? Like, getting more wrinkly and more saggy is just waiting for all of us, right? So again, it's a depreciating quality. But what is not a depreciating quality? It's character. It's this woman who's chasing after God. And it's an appreciating quality. And so if you ladies, if you catch them with godly character, you're always going to keep them because your character isn't going to fade. So when I look back at you know Rachel during her single years and when we began dating, you know, I was always so impressed with her character. She was slow to speak uh, with her with her mouth. She chose her words wisely. Her mouth just wasn't some loose cannon. Now, she was secure in who she was. She always she wasn't ever trying to bring attention to herself through social media, all these different things. Uh, Rachel was really humble. Uh, she had multiple college athletic accolades, but I never even heard about her because she was humble, right? Uh, she was hardworking. She had school tests, practice, weights, games, worked a job in college, and she was hardworking. And all these other things I saw about Rachel and her character, I just knew she was going to bring them right into marriage. 
And so again, if, as we are all in this pursuit of becoming this person uh, that you are looking for is looking for, it's going to it's going to be characterized by someone that's pursuing godly character, and pursuing uh, knowing God. And so we're going to take us into a third one. Yeah, so next would be a pursuit of God's mission. And so Matthew 22, 38-39 says, Love is the greatest, or this is the greatest commandment. And most important, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so this is piggybacking off of the first greatest commandment, to love God. And we see Jesus telling us here to love your neighbor. And so as we're on this line of pursuing God, really we're also going to have a care and concern for others. What does your love for your neighbor currently look like? Are you more concerned with your own personal interests, or are you really seeking to take an interest in the cares of those around you? John 15, 13 says, No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. And so we see the best example of this in Jesus as he laid down his life for each of us on the cross. And really a love for the people around us um, is a life that's willing to consider others above themselves. And so even as we pursue this selfless love for other people, we really are pursuing God's mission. Can you guys even imagine being dating or being married to someone that's characterized by they lay their life down for you? And not only for you, but for others in their lives. And so really, it's this love that is characterizing us. Yeah, so from the passages that, that Rachel just read, like we can tell it is God's desire uh, for us to love on other people, to sacrifice uh, for other people. And one specific way that we see in the Bible that God wants to love on other people is to help them begin a relationship with God. Uh, you guys are going to hear more about this all throughout SMC, but these are Jesus' final words. He's about to go to heaven, and he gives his followers just this one final command, and he says, therefore, go and make disciples, a.k.a. Go and impact other people. Help them understand what it means to follow Christ. Begin on this mission of loving, sacrificing, serving, and caring for other people by helping them enter a relationship with God. And again, we're saying that this is all rooted in love, right? But why is this loving? Why is helping other people follow Jesus, why is that loving? Why would I want to date and be married to a person who wants to do that? Because if eternity with God or eternity without God is real. And if the hinge point is that are they following Jesus or not, the most loving thing that we can do for other people is to help them figure out how they can follow Jesus themselves. And so you begin to go on this mission that God invites us all to. How do I love on people? How do I impact their eternity? And how do I serve and care for them? And all these other things. And so like, when you're thinking about dating someone and marrying someone, it's probably important to think about Hey, what kind of mission are they living for? What are they giving their life to? And when I looked at the life of Rachel, it's like, man, she wanted to give her thing, her life to the things that God described. She wanted to impact other people. And when you're doing that, you're stepping into what God has designed you uh, to do. You're going to be transformed into this person who knows how to impact other people's eternities. And then when you date and get married, then you just get to do it together. You're continuing to love on others as a powerful, cohesive unit that can impact others' eternities. Like, does that, does that not just sound amazing? Like, hey, we are dating, we're married, and we just try to impact other people's eternities. We love them, we serve them, we sacrifice for them. Like, can you imagine waking up every day, it's like, hey, babe, what do you want to do today? Let's go and impact other people's eternities. Does that not sound amazing? 
right? And so if we're becoming the person who you are looking for is looking for, and it's going to be the third component, it's this pursuit of God's mission. Yeah, and in case you're wondering, that is how Tommy Waits stand. Maybe I would just change it. But no, we are going uh, to take a different route. Really, it's going to be becoming a person that is pursuing these things. And so they're going to be a person that's pursuing knowing God, pursuing, a person pursuing godly character and God's mission. And so become the person who you are looking for is looking for. And so if you want a 10, you have to be a 10 yourself because 10s aren't out there looking for something. And so really, even when we do get married, our focus is the same, and it remains the same for the rest of our lives. The focus is God himself, the person of God, and not a feeling. And you get to do it with a partner for the rest of your life. And so even, we've talked about a lot of different things, um, but we're going to even just take some practical steps from here. So what is my next step? And so the first we would encourage you towards is to begin a relationship with God. And so if you don't already have one, we would urge you to begin a relationship with God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. And so regardless of whether you've walked through our culture's cycle of relationships countless times, or if you've never been on a date before, there is hope in a relationship with God. And like Tommy mentioned, neither of us did relationships perfectly. You know, before coming to Christ, we have our own past. But even I love this verse because there is so much hope in it. We see that God really does make us a new creation. And so he promises, this is a promise to us, we're given a new, a blank slate. And so we don't have to look at our past anymore with shame and guilt. Because God promises, you're made new. And so now, if we really do trust in Jesus for our salvation and what he did on the cross in our place by turning from sin and trusting in God, now when God looks at us, he doesn't see our past. He sees Jesus. And so there's just so much hope in this verse and just even in a relationship with God. So the first practical step would be to begin a relationship with God. Yeah, the next one is this, is just invest your single years. Uh, I'm sure when you guys think about being single, you have a lot of different thoughts, different emotions uh, that maybe come to mind. But overall, uh, we probably think most people see their single years in kind of one of three ways. And the first one would be this, it's just an opportunity to indulge. It's just, it's all about the next one, next guy, next girl, next hookup, next party, whatever it might be, next time I'm going to have sex. And again, this can just begin to get really dangerous. And because most often you're going to end up not only maybe hurting yourself, uh, but you can maybe end up hurting others uh, multiple times down the road. So it can become dangerous. The second one would be just a time to endure. Uh, essentially, it's like, man, I just need to get through uh, this miserable stage. I don't like being single, uh, a.k.a. just being uh, discontent on a heart level. Uh, and again, you know, this can get uh, dangerous as well. Because what you're kind of doing is you're beginning to breed uh, discontentment in your life. So, hey, if you're discontent when you're single... Well, then now when you're dating, you're probably going to be discontent. It's like, well, I just want to be married. You know, it's kind of, the grass is always greener. And once you get married, it's like, oh, well, now let's just get this type of house. Well, then when you get the house, oh, let's, now let's start having kids. You're just kind of breeding discontentment all along the way. It really starts in our single years and not seeing it as a time 
to it there. But the second one would be this, is just a gift to invest. And you see your single years as this amazing gift that God is giving you. It's a joy. It's a privilege. It's a time of life when you can legitimately become this type of person uh, that God describes. And you can become the person who you are looking for is looking for. And you have all the time to invest in those three things. Knowing God, Godly character, and God's mission. And we use the word invest for a reason because spending and investing are two different things. Spending is just to use up. I'm just going to blow through it, right? But investing is I'm going to put aside profitable use for the future. And so invest your single years. It's like, hey, if you got $500, you can spend it and blow through it. Go take it to Lulu Limit, get a couple items, and you're, boom, you're done. 500 gone, right? You got two things. That would be um, or you can invest your $500, put it in the bank, and you can see it grow to $500,000 four years down the road. Spending and investing are very two different things. So invest your single years. I am reaping the benefits so much every single day of what Rachel did during her single years. It affects our marriage every day. It affects our kids every day. It affects uh, the friends and the people around uh, Rachel every day. And so invest your single years. Next would be make a non-negotiable list. And so really, this is your bullseye of what you desire to be true of the person that you marry one day. And so this is just even a list of things that you're not willing to waver on when it comes to the person that you date. And so I would encourage you guys to make a list like this, maybe before a special person comes into your life, um, just so then you're not making it with a biased so you're not doing it with the love goggles on. Um, because really, if you don't know what you're looking for, you won't know when you've found it. But if you do know what you're looking for, you will know when you've found it. And so I made a non-negotiable list at my freshman year of college of just things that I wanted to be true about the guy that I might date one day. And so this included things that I wanted to be true about his relationship with God, about his character, and about just even how he interacted with other people. And so I revisited this list often. I shared it with a few of my close friends, and I asked them to hold me to it. Um, and so that made it really easy. On December 10th, 2015, um, when Tommy asked me on a date, it was an easy yes, because I knew that these non-negotiables were true of his life. And likewise, my friends also could be excited about me going on a date with a guy like this, because they also knew that he had these non-negotiables true in his own life. Yeah, Rachel mentioned that her non-negotiable list. I also made one during my college years. And uh, when I proposed, I actually read that list to Rachel. I had about six or seven things on there. And I, had, and I remember sitting at my desk in college, and I remember writing down these things, and uh, read it to Rachel and said, hey, you're it. This is what I've been trusting God for and praying for. So that was my non-negotiable uh, list. That was helpful. Next thing would be this. Start building your track record. Uh, what do we mean by track record? It's what does your history tell us about your future? This is what NFL, NBA, MLB general managers get paid to do, right? They look at a player's past, and they make a decision on, do I want to commit to them? A.K.A., do we, as an organization, want to marry this player? They look at their track record, right? And it's so important because where they have been tells us where they are going. And so what is true of someone before marriage? It's going to be the same once you get married. Like just putting on, a, putting on like a little band on your finger doesn't change who you are, right? So what's true of them before marriage 
they're going to carry it right into marriage. And so it's like, if they're extremely impatient before marriage, they're also going to be in marriage. If they have intense anger before marriage, it's going to carry over once you do get married. Maybe they're really lazy before marriage. Now they're going to be lazy once you get married. Maybe they kind of have like a fluctuating, uh, not consistent walk with God. It's like, well, that's going to carry over into marriage. And like this idea of track record, we use this logic all the time. How many of you guys have ever bought like a used car or, or is a car in general? None of you guys have ever bought a car. Okay. None of you guys have bought a car. Alright, I love buying cars. I love looking at Craigslist and the fun the marketplace and all that stuff. But what do we do the first thing? We go to their vehicle history report, don't we? We look at his track record, right? So example for you guys. Say you're in the market to buy a car. 2017, Toyota Camry, 50,000 miles on it. It's been in a huge wreck. But some mechanics, they fix it up, and it's been running good for two months, okay? You go over next door, different lot, 2017, Toyota Corolla, 50,000 miles, fix it up by some mechanics, and it's been running good for two years. Which one are you guys buying? This one. Why? Its track record gives us so much more confidence of the future, right? We do this all the time. NFL, NBA, GMs, buying cars. So why wouldn't we apply it when we think about dating and marriage? What's true of them before marriage is going to carry over into marriage. So for you guys, begin building your track record, your own personal one. And when we think about that significant other, what does their track record look like before moving into a relationship? And last would be to invite godly leadership into this area. Proverbs 12.15 says a fool's way is right in his own eyes, but whoever listens to counsel is wise. And really this is no different when it comes to relationships. You know, the counsel referred to here is counsel that's really going to point you back to Jesus. And so these are trusted people in your life who care um, about your own spiritual growth. And they're more concerned with telling you what you need to hear rather than telling you what you want to hear. And so a great way that you can even just do this, inviting godly leadership into this area, could be to ask a respected person, would you say that I'm at a healthy place to begin a relationship? You know, or maybe you are in a relationship. Um, And once you are, really asking or being committed to transparency with one to two other people. Um, These are trusted friends, again, who are going to point you back to Jesus. They're going to ask you hard questions, really out of a heart that's really loving you and concerned and pointing you towards a relationship of honoring to God. So invite godly leadership into this area. And so, hey, those are some good, maybe some next steps moving forward uh, when we're thinking about this idea of relationships. And so, kind of, hey, as we wrap up, we've seen two different pictures, right? Two different pictures. About nine years ago, I had a friend that said, Tommy, outside of the decision to follow Jesus, who you marry will be the biggest decision that you've ever made in your entire life. And we will all marry someone who we date, right? That's, that's just normal logic. We will all marry someone we date. So now dating becomes really, really important. So we will all marry someone who we date. So this isn't the time to roll the dice. We've seen the cycle on the left. We've seen maybe a different route that we can take there on the right. And like Rachel and I said at the very beginning, like, why are we talking about this? And it is our heart that you guys will get to experience amazing and thriving relationships and marriage one day. You guys are going to have to go through the frustration, the confusion, uh, just a potential divorce one day. Who knows what it might look like. But one of the quotes that we started with, if you want a different outcome, you're going to have to take a different route. 
And that route, like, to your friends or family, close, like, it might look crazy different. It might make fun of you guys for it. It might sound weird to them. They might try and convince you guys otherwise. But if you guys want a different outcome, you're going to have to take a different route. And I know just speaking from personal experience, speaking from what God really highlights in the Bible, for the type of people that he desires for us to come to be, we really do believe that God is really worthy of trusting uh, in this area of relationships. And so, and we hope and pray that you guys will swipe right. We pray, we pray that you guys will swipe wisely, that you guys will swipe confidently, and ultimately, and that you guys will swipe in a way that will really honor and glorify God and experience uh, his best.